0: A side door at the upper end of the hall, to the left of Sathanin's chair, opened and a beautiful young girl entered the hall with her domestic bard and her attendant maidens. It was Angharad, the daughter of Sathanin. The tumult had drawn her from the solitude of her chamber, apprehensive that some evil might befall her father in that incapability of self-protection to which he made a point of bringing himself by set of sun. She gracefully saluted Prince Elphin and directed the cup-bearers, who were bound by their office to remain half-sober till the rest of the company were finished off, after which they indemnified themselves at leisure, she directed the cupbearers to lift up Prince Sathanin and bear him from the hall. The cup-bearers reeled off with their lord, who had already fallen asleep, and who now began to play them a pleasant march with his nose to inspirit their progression. Elphin gazed with delight on the beautiful apparition whose gentle and serious loveliness contrasted so strikingly with the broken trophies and fallen heroes of revelry that lay scattered at her feet. Stranger, she said,
1: this seems an unfitting place for you. Let me conduct you where you will be more agreeably lodged.
0: Still less should I deem it fitting for you, fair maiden.
1: The pleasure of her father is the duty of Angharad.
0: Elfin was desirous to protract the conversation, and this very desire took from him the power of speaking to the purpose. He paused for a moment to collect his ideas, and Angharad stood still in apparent expectation that he would show symptoms of following in compliance with her invitation. In this interval of silence, he heard the loud dashing of the sea and the blustering of the wind through the apertures of the walls. This supplied him with what has been, since Britain was Britain, the alpha and omega of British conversation. He said, It seems a stormy night.
1: We are used to storms. We are far from the mountains, between the lowlands and the sea, and the winds blow round us from all quarters.
0: There was another pause of deep silence. The noise of the sea was louder and the gusts pealed like thunder through the apertures. Amidst the fallen and sleeping revellers, the confused and littered hall, the low and wavering torches, Angharad, lovely always, shone with single and surpassing loveliness. The gust died away in murmurs, and swelled again into thunder, and died away in murmurs again. And as it died away, mixed with the murmurs of the ocean, a voice that seemed one of the many voices of the wind pronounced the ominous words, Beware of the oppression of Gwynhidway. They looked at each other as if questioning whether all had heard
1: alike. Did you not hear a voice?
0: The same which has once before seemed to say to me, Beware of the oppression of Gwenhiddowey. Catherine hurried forth on the rampart. Angharad turned pale and leaned against a pillar of the hall. Elfin was amazed and awed, absorbed as his feelings were in her. The sleepers on the floor made an uneasy movement and uttered an inarticulate cry. Catherine returned. What saw you? A tempest is coming from the west. The moon has waned three days and is half hidden in clouds just visible above the mountains. The bank of
1: clouds is black in the west. The scud is flying before them and the white waves are rolling to the shore. This is the highest of the spring tides. And they are very terrible in the storms from the west when the spray flies over the embankment and the breakers shake the tower which has its foot in the surf.
0: Whence was the voice which we heard erewhile? Was it the cry of a sleeper in his drink, or an error of the fancy, or a warning voice from the elements?
1: It was surely nothing earthly, nor was it an error of the fancy, for we all heard the words, Beware of the oppression of Gwydhidwy. Often and often in the storms of the springtide have I feared to see her roll her power over the fields of Gwaelod.